Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the All of Life Show. I am one of your hosts, Stuart White, along with my beautiful, intelligent, lovely, silly wife. Please stop, please, please. Goofy. (laughs) It's too much. Please keep going. And what's your name? Alicia White. And uh, thank you guys for joining us. In this episode, we're going to talk about probably what everybody's talking about right now as of the release of this episode, which will be politics. But first, we're going to do a little check-in, folks, because we haven't done an update on on our lives in a while. You are very correct. We typically give somewhat of an update on things. So, babe, how are things? Things are really, really, really good. I feel awkward saying that since our last podcast episode was pretty like heavy and depressing for lack of a better word (laughs) but we have had a very good week to 10 days um some extra little gifts happened for me in um in the thing that I referenced in our last podcast episode that I've been struggling with. So that was very sweet and special. Um, we also got for the first time a 17 year old foster daughter. Um, we've never had a teenager before to foster, but she has been here for almost a week now and she's amazing. She's so sweet. She loves the kids. She very clearly just wanted a family and she fits right in. So Um, so we got that. And then tonight, do you want to tell the listeners what we did tonight, babe? Well, it involved plane tickets, hotel bookings. And uh, something that rhymes with schmizny world. mm -hmm. You'll never guess. (laughs) We surprised the kids and told them that for one of their birthdays and which happens to fall before Christmas, a Basically, few weeks before. we tried to, we're not trying to combine too many, but it's a really big trip. So we told, told Momo, who's turning seven, we're taking a trip to Florida for her birthday. And then we told the kids that for Christmas, instead of presents this year, we're doing Disney World, which is the first time that we have all been to Disney World. I went a couple times when I was little, but I do not remember it hardly at all. Mm-hmm. So, And our 10-year-old squealed so loud, I think I burst an eardrum. A friend texted and said, I didn't even know that note existed. Yeah. You know there's a singer in there somewhere with that, yeah. that ability right there. Both her and Momo have that ability. So how could you not just have a really great week? A lot of really great yeah. things happened. Yeah. So we are very excited for that and looking forward to taking the kids there. Uh, we're meeting up with uh, your sister and her family and just going to have a good time with some uh, cousins and Disney World and maybe a few other places. If you have any recommendations, let us know. Yes, right in. Disney fanatics, we, we need the tips, especially if any of you have been to any Disney locations during COVID. That would yeah. be very helpful. If you got the lowdown on all the ways to do Disney World the right way and also maybe the ways to avoid doing Disney World because... You know, we don't want to mess it up the first time we go. Right. Because it might be the only time. We'll save that for the second time. (laughs) Okay, babe, what are we talking about today? Well, everybody is talking about, apparently, I don't know if you heard, there's an election going on or something like that. Uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden facing it off head to head. Mono Loved all the Halloween costumes that I saw going on. <laughs> there were some funny <laughs> there ones. Were, I don't think I've ever seen so many political Halloween costumes in my life. Yeah, it was it was pretty epic, I'm not going to lie. Um, so in the book of Joshua, chapter 5, starting in verse 13, we see this little, little interaction that's very curious here. 
And I think that there are some principles that we can pull from this. Uh, and I want to stress something. I'm not trying to make this into, this is a method for every single thing of life here, but uh, I think there's a, an overarching principle behind all of this. And so that's what we want to draw upon. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Joshua picks up with uh, Moses had died and Joshua takes the place of Moses and Moses didn't get to take the people of Israel, the children of Israel into the promised land. And Joshua gets the privilege of doing that. Well, they have, they've been 40 years in the wilderness in a journey that should have taken some say about 11 days to walk. And instead God took them through this whole journey. And there are a lot of like, there are literal meanings and there are a lot of spiritual parallels as well that happen in here. Well, in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, we see this moment here. It says, Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? He said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the hosts of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I find this very intriguing here. And without maybe overstepping the grounds of what I think is proper application in it, what is biblical application. We see here that Joshua asks him this question that I think a lot of people right now are asking of God. Are you for my guy or are you for my enemy or my my political opponent? And what's curious to me is God has been with Israel this whole time. He's been walking them through. He delivered them from uh, Egypt. He has preserved them. He has he has uh, winnowed them down, so to speak, with uh, their dying off in the wilderness, and now they're about to enter the promised land. And I would have expected that the captain of the Lord of hosts, and, and there's debate about who this is. Some say it's just an angel. Some say it could be a theophany or a Christophanies, uh, a, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. That, you know, is up for debate. But what does he say to Joshua? He goes, no, which I just always kind of crack up at. But how, how much does that apply to our current political climate and any political climate, anything really where we're like, God, which do you choose? Are you for this one or this one? Those are your two options, God. That's all you get. Here's this nice little box for you to yeah. fit inside. Yeah, it's, a, it's that false dichotomy again coming uh, to work. However, God was, as we see, for Israel— and yet his answer is not, I'm for you. He, he reorients their attention. And he does so by saying no and then telling them, I'm for the Lord. I, I, I am the one that you should be for. And so Joshua ends up bowing down before him and he says, what would you wish of me? And, and the captain of the Lord of hosts says, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. When your life, I believe, is overcome and has really the presence of God, the greatness of God brought into proper perspective, uh, 
if you can even grasp it really like the greatness of god is so great we we don't even have an ability within our finite minds to truly grasp it but that's only the only way we can grasp it is by realizing he's greater than we can comprehend well he, joshua realizes oh that's there's something different here he recognizes you're from the lord like whether you're an angel or or whoever he bows his knee in humility before him and we've made reference to this on previous episodes but whatever the case may be whatever the popular thing might be whether it's pop psychology or politics or um identity you know issues or identity politics or or anything that you can come up with if your solution is apart from god you're missing something in fact, you might be missing the entire thing. I have referred to this as that two plus two is five. If all you've said is, well, there can't be a four, we've eliminated the number four. Well, you've successfully managed to eliminate the right answer. And there are so many things, I think, right now in the world where people have said, no, these are the only options, and people are left without a possibility of the right answer. What do you think it is about people who, um, not just people, well, I guess, yes, people, but because I think all of us do this on some level, some more than others, but when we look at facts or information, I should say information that we have been given and we shape that information into what we want it to be rather than what it actually is. Well, I think that there are a few things there. There, there is honest and sincere seeking of truth but you may start from the wrong point and if you're off by just a few degrees the further you move if if you know like math and and uh geometry and things the further you move from that point the further apart you're going to be uh from the the actual truth so it that's why it's so critically important that we're constantly realigning ourselves and making sure that we uh, are measuring things properly according to God's word. And I'm not talking about measuring in a, a works-based right, righteousness type of thing. I'm talking about going, is my heart aligned with the heart of the Lord? Because that's really what you see happen with Joshua and the captain of the Lord of hosts. He asks him, are you for us or for our adversaries, for our enemies? And God replies through him. He says, no, I am, but I am from the, the captain of the Lord of hosts. So, Immediately, Joshua has that realignment of his mm -hmm. heart with the heart of the Lord, which is, oh, I, I asked the wrong question. Mm -hmm. You know, I should be for you. And in being for the Lord, in surrendering your heart and bowing your knee before the Lord, now you are aligned with the heart of the Lord. And that's the place where we should be able to make our choices and our decisions from. But I think, so I think that's one thing. But another thing is because sin infects and affects everything, we have an inclination, a proclivity, if you will, <laughs> to sin and to have that affect the way that we perceive things and the conclusions that we reach without even realizing it sometimes. That's how um, insidious it is. It goes to work and it, it takes 
what you may have thought that you were seeking the truth in, but there's a piece of you that knows, "Ah, I don't like where this is going. So I'm going to find another way to find another truth. And, you know, once I, I reach that conclusion, everything's good. Could you give us an example, us, me and the listeners, <laughs> an example of what that looks like in everyday life or what how that may play out for someone? Yeah, I actually have a funny example for you. Mm. So this is a life story. Uh, if you were to sit with me for very long and my wife and, and ask us, um, hey, those curtains hanging up over there, I noticed that they look really good. I don't like where this is going <laughs> right now. I do not like and where I would this tell is you, going. ah, yes. Well, there's a reason. That's because I hate hanging curtains, but if we're going to do it, I like to make sure that we do it the right way. And my wife, on the other hand, that would be you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you like having curtains, but you don't want to have to necessarily wait for me, who doesn't like hanging curtains. I like what you call quick curtains. Yeah, quick curtains. And so what? what is your solution? You get up there and you just eyeball it. You go, ah, this will work. Yeah, because my eyeballs are really good at getting things pretty even. <laughs> yeah, and I would say sometimes that is true. I would say most of the times that's true. But I, on the other hand... It will take me a while, but I will make sure that it's plumb and square and true and everything is is properly aligned. But sometimes if you're hanging curtains in a house where things themselves are not quite, you know, it may have settled or something, you might be like, well, it says it's level, but the way it's sitting on the window or the way it's lining up with the, the ceiling line doesn't look right. Well, the the fact is, though, if we pull that back and just think about it for a little bit. Our eyes are are a lot like our hearts, and our hearts deceive us often because, as I said earlier, it's infected and affected by sin. We have that total depravity, as to use the the biblical, uh, or well, the the Christianese term, Uh, and that just means that there's no part in us that isn't twisted and tainted by sin in some way. Um, and there's one pastor I like, and he, he emphasizes, this doesn't mean utter depravity where everything is absolutely as sinful as it can possibly get. And the reason for that is because being created in the image of God, we have, uh, the presence, uh, of that image that, uh, in the common grace of God, and it gives us that conscience. God has given us a conscience. If he were to remove that, I mean, we would see things quickly devolve toward utter depravity, total chaos. Uh, And so really, total depravity in that is going to be something where we may think we're right, we're so confident we are, but when somebody puts the level to it, when somebody puts Mm -hmm. the plumb line to it, we might go, oh, I was off, but I was so certain. And I think that that's something that happens with us. And so going back to politics, going back to all of the things going on in the world. we I've seen people arguing over things. I've seen people try and convince you, you can vote for this candidate, it doesn't matter, or you can not vote for that one because of this. And the what's been so weird is the way things are often cherry-picked or um, just completely ignoring other things and trying to convince people of certain facts. And the thing I'm not going to try and do in this show, because at this point... If you don't know who you're voting for, you should probably just not vote no. <laughs> you, wow. You you probably Actually, you probably true. do know if you're going to vote and if you're not going to vote. And 
it's unlikely that I'm going to change your mind. I know where my mind is and where where it rests. But the point of this is not to convince you who to vote for, but to talk to you about where do you line up with things. Are you saying I I I have perfect confidence that I have God's candidate? Or is your heart to say, no, I want to line up with the heart of the Lord? And if you can do that, and whoever you vote for or don't vote for, and you do that with the conviction uh, of the Spirit in you, mm-hmm. then go for it. But but don't go out there and, and just try and shame and humiliate people. Don't go out there and uh, and try to insist that God is on your side. No, you need to be on God's side. And that's not to say I do believe that there probably is a, a candidate within this that God uses, and uh, and I think that there's even biblical precedent for that. You you can look at something uh, like King Nebuchadnezzar coming along, who, it, by all accounts, was foolish and pompous and arrogant and and everything, and God humbled him. But then God also brought him back, and God showed him many great things, and He used him even in the lives of the people there, and in ways that you couldn't imagine if you were in that situation as, as the people of Israel. So you can you can say, are you for God? Are you for Trump? Or are you for Biden? And God is going to say, no. And also he's going to say, yes. He is <laughs> he's going to realign your view and say, this is not about who I'm for. This is about who you are for. And who you're for, who you are for is not to be Biden or Trump. It's to be for me. So vote for who you truly believe will bring you the political, the things that align with what you most closely politically believe um, and morally believe, but also the Lord is in control. And if you are for him, you can trust that he is in control of whatever presidential candidate gets elected and he does not not know what's coming he knows what's coming and he's in control of that and think of everything that you've ever been through in your life like everything that the lord brought the israelites through are you still standing are you here you may have been through tough things but have you been brought through it it has our country been brought through incredibly difficult things Yes, because the Lord's in control. You see something in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 1, we start off and we see Paul. He's just giving thanks and he's talking how he would love to come and see the people. And something he says here, and this is where where we want to get back to the gospel, because it's important that whatever your heart is and your conviction is, is it aligned with? With the Lord. And the way you know that it's aligned with the Lord is the Word of God. It isn't by what some preacher said necessarily, unless he was preaching the Word of God. We have gotten away from this. Mm-hmm. We don't have any way of having a standard or a measure of, uh, of knowing the truth. And what we have in our culture today is this postmodern notion, uh, even a post postmodern notion of there is no truth. And this started a while back, but I remember as a kid, it started really creeping in. And I'm not I'm not that old, but the, it has become something that I remember as being younger and thinking, how could anybody ever come to conclusions about things being s- s- that are so blatantly not okay being true? 
and and the truth being a lie. That that just sounds crazy. And we see that in Isaiah. We see him saying, "Woe to those who call good evil and mm-hmm. evil good." We're not talking about oh, well, that was relevant to what was mm-hmm. good and evil in their time. Good and evil are good and evil. And you don't get to decide what good and evil are within yourself. Right. Here, Here's where I wanted to go with this. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul first starts off, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the just man shall live by faith. First of all, the gospel, Paul recognizes here that the gospel is key and at the core of everything. His heart was to go and to preach the gospel to these people who were already uh, supposedly believers. And yet he's saying, I want to come to you and see fruit in you. I want to preach to you. And he goes on here. This is what he says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. You remember that part where we said, you have a conscience. Mm -hmm. There's something within you that still appeals to there being a good and evil, a right and wrong, you know, a truth and a lie. We know that with nobody even has to tell you that there's something instinctively that we have within us. And Paul is implying that that is one of the things within us that um, God made it evident within them. And he says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds, and of four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. That is right there what I see going on in our world constantly, and I, I chuckle, but I grieve to even think about it. I have for months and possibly even the last year, been coming back to this in my heart all the time. I keep going, man, it's amazing how relevant Scripture is. This is 2,000 years ago mm-hmm. that Paul's writing this to the Romans and telling them, hey, yeah, the problems in the world are because people, they profess to be wise, they and they exchanged the worship of God for the worship of created things and animals and four-footed creatures. And he says, and they their foolish hearts were darkened. They became fools. They called good evil and evil good. They exchanged the truth for the lie. All we see right now is the truth being exchanged for a lie. And when we come to whatever our political decision is or any of that, are we aligning with the truth of God's word or are we aligning with a lie? Does your political stance have to does it require a lot of mental gymnastics and throwing certain things out? Or does it uh, does it require a lot of situational ethics where you're like, well, this is this is unprecedented times. So, yes, normally that would be bad. But you know what? That's actually good if you do this because, no, that's not how it works. I think the key point that you mentioned before is your conscience. And I think we have been trained 
like you said, to ignore our conscience and to explain it away. We, we have all of this information to sort through and we explain it away. We try to fit what we want to make fit into the boxes that we've created. We try to say, are you for this or are you for that? And the Lord says, no, that's because we've asked the wrong question and our conscience has been given to us to point back to him. <laughs> A funny example would be this, tonight we were putting Momo down for bed. Babe, you weren't there for this. So I'm going to tell you this story for the first time. But we're tucking the kids into bed and brother looks under the bed under Momo's bed and he finds two pieces of Halloween candy. (laughs) And of course I knew right away who did that, but I pretended like I didn't. And I was like, Oh my goodness. How did those two Halloween candies get underneath the bed? And immediately Momo had this super sad face and she just slid her face under the covers. She, <laughs> her conscience immediately spoke to her in that moment. And she had a choice right then and there to say, what I did was wrong. I made a wrong choice right there. Or she could make a choice to explain it away. And of course, my dear sweet Momo explained it away at first. She said, well, brother got three pieces of candy and Avi got four pieces of candy and I only got two. So I was hiding the candy under the bed so that it could be fair. And she went down this long spiral of trying to explain her sin. She stole the candy from the candy bucket. She hid it from us. And even though we didn't see that, the Lord saw that. And I, and I told her like, Momo, I understand that you want everything to be fair, but life is not fair. And when you try to hide your sin from mommy and daddy, the Lord still sees your sin. God still sees your sin. And you know what? He loves you anyway. He's for you. You know, he wants the best for you. So you can trust mommy and daddy because he loves you so much that he gave you a mommy and a daddy who are going to do what's best for you as best they can. And that is not letting you have all of the unlimited candy that you want, you know, but her conscience spoke to her immediately in that moment. Yeah, she knew she was caught, but she she had that choice. And I think it's interesting, you know, we talk about uh, him being for us and it, what's there's a difference here now. We see there's this Old Testament and New Testament principle at work here. And there was the promise of the Messiah and those who had their hope in the Messiah. If you read the book of Hebrews, you see that, you know, they are justified. And we see Paul even talk about that in Romans, being being justified by faith. God is for us in that he loved us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. We, though, still have to align ourselves with him in what mm-hmm. he has done. We have to bring ourselves to that point where you had with Momo, where she had to recognize her rebellion, her sin in what she did, and not just give an excuse and explain it away and find a way to say, no, actually, the plain, obvious truth that's in front of your face is not true. What actually is true, and then make up whatever story to cover that. But... While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How many situations can you ask someone a question and they can give you a yes answer and a no answer at the same time and they're both true? 
I know that's an odd question to ask, but the reason why I say that is because when Joshua asked that question, are you for us or are you not? The Lord can say no, but at the same time, like you can ask the Lord, are you for me or against me? And he can say no, because you need to be more aligned with him. You need to look mm-hmm. to your look to him and say, no, I need to be on your side. But also he can say yes, because he's for you. And he's also for the other yeah. side because he wants what's best for everyone. I think what you're getting at, I think there's a great example in the garden. You know, we, yes. we're always going back to that. But God is for us. But sometimes in the way that he is for us looks like against us. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, though, he is not for us being stuck in our sin, yes. continuing in our sin. So when he casts Adam and Eve out of the garden and he puts an angel with a flaming sword to keep them from coming back. And he says, I don't want them to come back because if they eat of the tree of life, then they will be in their sin forever. They'll live forever mm-hmm. separated from me. And that would be the ultimate fail, you know, on our part as human beings. And the same is true, though. What we end up doing is trying to make him align himself mm-hmm. with our truth, you know, speaking our truth, living our truth, all those all those things that are very popular to say now, which is just another way of saying I'm lying about the truth. I, I may, maybe sometimes you happen to land around the truth, but you're not living for the truth. You're implying there is only relative truth. In all of that to say, when we come under the dominion of the kingdom of God, we bow our knee, we fall face down and worship him. And that worship is going to look like whatever God says, we don't disagree. We say, yep, even if I don't like that, I'm in alignment with you. Now, today, we have a cultural moment where the world is insane. Everybody has lost their ever-loving mind. It's just insane. I can't even describe to you how irritating and frustrating it is. But what would be the greatest tragedy is if in in the picture, you know, of, of being dead and cast out and orphaned and whatever other illustrations you can think of, living in the streets, covered in filth, If we said, thanks for saving me, now I'm going to go live in my filth again. I'm going to live my truth. (laughs) That that is a tragedy because God loves us too much to leave us there. He didn't just save us so that we could continue to worship another God, continue to live in rebellion to him. We are now saved and we have the freedom to... To worship him. We have the power to worship him because of him. So the question is, where is your level at? This is coming from the curtain hanging eyeballer here, but where is your level? Where are you looking to have your, um, to, to, to be pointed to the truth? There is so much information in the world today, more information that has ever been had with with social media and our involvement with the news being uh, just a, a flip of the thumb and so many articles, so many Instagram posts, Facebook articles, anything that you can get your eyes on, you're, you're absorbing all of this information, information that we were never meant to absorb as much as we are in a day, but we are. You have to decide. Do you just get to decide what your what your truth is? Because if that's the case, then you're just saying that you're God. 
you're just saying you are God and you get to decide what the ultimate truth is. Or do you trust and believe that there was a God who created you, who created the world, who has the best, like the perfect father, if there was never a father who failed anyone, a perfect father who knows what's best for you, like the analogy I used in one of the recent podcasts, and I will use it a hundred more times. He's the dad who is watching you run in front of a bus and he grabs you out of the way because he sees the bus coming and you don't. Do you believe that there's a God who sees what's coming and you don't? Can you trust that God? And and is your level the word of God? Because if you believe that there is a God who created you in the world and that the Bible is his actual words, then you have to believe what's in the Bible. You don't get to decide. You don't get to read this book and that book and that book and say, well, I'm going to take little bits and pieces of all of those books and decide what I want to believe because then you are saying that you are God. The truth of God is the truth. And we need to make sure that we are surrendered to that truth. As I've said several times in this episode and in a few previous episodes, we bow the knee before the king of kings. We don't get to decide how kingly he is, how worthy he is. He is worthy, and we are the ones who need to recognize the worthiness, not go, mm, I'm going to measure that worth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to determine, mm, no, like you just said, I get to pick and choose this bit of truth. I like this, but, but no, not this over here. That's making a God in your own image. Mm-hmm. That is essentially you're making yourself God and you just don't even realize it. But no, we don't make God in our own image because what happens is what we see there in Romans chapter one. You will profess to be wise. You will become a fool. You will exchange the image of God for the creation. You will worship and serve the creature rather than the creator God. You will exchange the truth for the lie. So where are you right now with those things? Do you find yourself tempted or surrendering and bowing your knee to a political ideology, a party, uh, a fear of some sort. Because look, I know that whether the guy I would like to win wins or not, I'm not going to mourn like those who have no hope if he loses. I'm not going to rejoice like those who only have their hope in this world if he wins. Yeah, I'll be like, oh, okay, I think that's good. But I could be wrong. You could be wrong. So where are you going to land? Are you going to freak out? Are you going to riot in the streets if your guy loses? Are you going to celebrate as if, you know, the second coming has just happened because your guy won? Don't. You need to make sure that you're aligning your heart with the heart of God and that when he says he's not for you or for your adversaries in the way that you think, he's for you in a different way. He's for you and bringing you into his kingdom, not you bringing him into yours. And that's the beautiful thing about the God I know is that just like I told Momo when she was being sneaky tonight, sweet Momo, like God loves you anyway, even when you're being naughty, even when you're at your naughtiest. If you have such little faith in God and what he can do for you in your life, in our country, he still loves you. That does, Your faithlessness does not change how much he loves you. And I will tell you right now, that is a God worth serving and worshiping and dedicating your life to. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We are really, really encouraged when we hear from you. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us 
on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com slash all of life show. Drop us a line, send us a direct message, whatever you want to do. You can find us also on Instagram. And what's that address? At all of life show. Same uh, address on Twitter. And you can follow us on just about any of the social medias. And of course, you can send us confidential emails to feedback at alloflifeshow.com. All of those are confidential. And we will be praying for you guys when you send us those that information and those requests that you guys have. We are praying for you guys. Something we should also ask. If you would go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would mean the world to us. It does make a difference. It does make the word get out there. And while we're not in this, we're not making money in this, we're not doing any of this for money, we want to hear that the word of God is getting out there and the truth of God. And to the best of our ability, we will be proclaiming that until our dying breath. So if this has been something that you have been blessed by, please go ahead, leave a review. Let a friend know. Share it with somebody. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will be excited to come to you next time. On the All of Life show where we seek to bring the gospel to every area of life. Mm